Ladies and gentlemen, in the blue corner, standing at a sleek 5'11", 245 pounds, the tumultuous tempest of technique, Thomas Lilly. And in the red corner, at a curvaceous 5'11", 315 pounds, the jovial juggernaut of judgment, John Cheryl Sheridan. A meeting of the masters of mastication turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more. This is Peak Speak. We're back. Another episode of Peak Speak. Now let me say, hey everyone. This episode of Peak Speak is brought to you by our favorite producers of ball trimmers, Manscaped. Join the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming and leaving 2021 behind and entering 2022 with a clear mind and clean balls. A clean undercarriage. And, special offer alert, use the code PEAKSPEAK for 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Four million men already trust Manscaped. Time to join them. 2022 is on its way and the last thing you want it to be is the guy or girl with pubes getting in your way making this year your best yet 2021 might have sucked that's why manscaped are making a splash and upping your grooming game their performance package 4.0 headlined by their signature lawnmower 4.0 is here to take down every pube in its path that's right, get 20% off and free shipping with the code PEAKSPEAK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code PEAKSPEAK. Happy New Year to your balls. Speaking of New Year, while we're in the festive mood, our good friends at Prism Coffee Co. have got a new Christmas blend Damn. that is uh, roasted and ready to ship. So uh, I also found out on the weekend that our peak speak code at prism coffee co is also good for 20 percent off not 10 percent off as i originally thought so save yourself a fat 20 percent off using the code peak speak at prism coffee co was that fat with an f or a ph both hmm. yeah it's that fat it's got both mm -hmm. i went how are you Thomas? i'm good i went through a long phase of being really anti saying 20 and then the second number like 2012 like right at the start when we switched from like 2009 to 2010 people started saying 2010 it used to really grind my gears now i'm a little bit less anal about it but it still kind of irks me i don't know why did you spend a lot of the 90s calling it the nine 1999s or did you call it 1999 that's a good point Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah, interesting. Say no more. <laughs> this is almost as good as when I put up a thing on Instagram yesterday that was a memory from like five years ago of a Facebook debate we had about when a uh, bread-based lunch option is a sandwich or a burger. Uh, and uh, Tommy Wall sent me a meme that was him having only just got over the existential angst of discussing whether cereal is a soup. And I pointed out that I think cereal is actually a gazpacho because oh. it's generally served cold. Cold, yeah. yeah and he was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I so what, what's the overall verdict on, on the burger? Because, like, 
if we're if we're if to be honest no one comes to a no one comes to a real verdict other than like all burgers are sandwiches but not all sandwiches are burgers which i think is a complete cop-out uh i am on the of the opinion that you have to be able to define these things very distinctly and i'm not sure you can but there was a lot of uh a lot of people who forget that rolls exist and that sandwiches exist in forms other than sliced white bread uh-huh. uh there were a few people who debated the existence of chicken burgers as a thing and that actually they were just sandwiches in disguise um and so i feel like it's some people liked the well some people like the hot cold ingredients as a distinction which works but then you have a steak sandwich and that throws that whole thing down the Mm. toilet like it's it's a genuine curiosity of mine i don't know where the line is but mostly i just like arguing with people on social media yeah I think it's very geographically based. Like, I think America's got it down pat in terms of like the burger represents the actual burger, like the the meat. Because if yeah. it's chicken, it's a chicken sandwich. But like they they don't refer to the burger as the the actual sandwich. They refer to the patty as the burger, right? Yeah. yeah. See, I can get I can yeah, get down see, with that. I just don't I don't vibe with I I don't vibe with any of the Americans' approach to most things. So I feel like letting them in it you know burgers is a slippery slope to the imperial system (laughs) i think you're right but yeah maybe like i said i just like arguing with people on social media it made me giggle in a day where i was otherwise not really Mm -hmm. giggling speaking of meat did you have any leftovers whatsoever from the barbecue oh yeah because my mo is to horrifically over cater well, I, f- um, I figured that was the case when you told Sam and I the amounts that you were cooking. I was like, this guy's aiming to feed about 400 people, um, which translates to about 100 no, powerlifters. So, yeah, yeah, so Stefan gave me his um, calculations for serving sizes. Like two, It was like 250 to 350 grams of meat per person cooked. Okay. And he reckons you get like a 60% yield on a brisket and about 70% on pulled pork. Uh-huh. So I like I overcated for sure. We had a few people who said they were coming for the barbecue and then came for the testing and then had to leave before the food was ready. So yeah, we ended up with a bunch. Uh, and my girlfriend and I have been putting them to good use by eating them all uh, so far this week. We've eaten pretty much exclusively barbecue leftovers for the last two or three nights. Amazing, it's been good. Highly yeah. approved. Yeah, it was it was a good time. Mm. Um, Although, as I said before. As I said before to you, uh, backing up the heaviest deadlift I've done in five years with a ton of beers right. and a late night was maybe not the best decision I've ever made. But hey, you got to live these lessons to learn them. So what did you end up pulling? 262 and a half, mm-hmm. which uh, was equal to the video that had popped up in my Facebook feed from 2016, which I think was the last time I pulled like a really heavy uh, deadlift. And... Yeah, that was, I think, probably still my all-time conventional comp Mm -hmm. PB. And it was in a push-pull at the end of my first year of owning the gym. And I weighed in at like Mm -hmm. 141.8. And on Saturday, I was 120.6 thereabouts. Uh, So, yeah, I had only intended to pull 250. And I did one of those, like, get all amped up for it, pulled it. And then went, ah, fuck, that was really easy. I'm going to have to put more weight on that. The 250 Watched the video back and went, yep yeah it was fucked uh i was not expecting it to be that easy to be honest um and 
You know, have you ever like watched a video back and been like, God damn it. That was like really fucking easy. And now I have to do another yes. one. And it's like, you know, I want to do this, but I don't like, I was all amped up for that to be the last one. And, um, yeah, then 262 was hard, but got it done. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, walked away largely unscathed, mm-hmm. but it didn't help my hangover the next day. <laughs> Amazing. I had to resist the urge to comment what you would comment on my video if I posted a video like that, which would be around the the uh, the lines of along the lines of three reds for dropping the bar, but I resisted. Yeah, see, I feel like I've gotten over that. Uh, Have you though? Particularly vindictive streak in me. Yeah, I've just I, like I haven't gotten over it. I'm just better at not posting it. <laughs> I just think it. I just sit there and silently judge you <laughs> instead of posting it on the internet. Just sizzle in my own hatred um, i just find it more effective <laughs> amazing um but yeah i think maybe my garage band just shat itself but maybe it didn't oh well sam will figure it out okay well we've got the zoom recording we're safe i think it's still recording it's yeah i don't know what's going on we'll see anyway how are you feeling post uh peck it's a peck tear PB for you, isn't it? Yes. I had an amazing competition on the weekend. I got uh, one squat and one bench and then pulled out. So that was great. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> what a fucking awesome display of pure athleticism. Yeah. So I've spent the last three days crafting my uh, day didn't go to plan post. Um Oh, yeah, good. Are you actually going to take advantage of a really sinister, a really fucking sarcastic approach to this? Because you didn't with your soppy emotional bullshit about having a yeah. nine-year anniversary, and I hated you a little bit more for it. Mm. I've, I've thought about it. Or is it still too early to laugh about? No, no, no. It's definitely not. I've, I've, I've thought about it and, it, and it might happen. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, truthfully, I just can never be bothered. Like I'll think of what I want to post and then I'll think of writing it when at an inconvenient time. And then when I have time, like, yeah, I'd rather not spend time making Instagram posts when I can spend time doing other stuff, cuddling my dog. Look, to be honest, increasingly my Instagram posts lately have been just poking fun at my own complete failures. So I'm all on board with crafting amusing messages about how shit you are at things. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was just a, yeah, just a, unfortunate day just one of those things you know my opener squat was was fine i stood a little bit too wide and my hip really didn't like it so um, by the time i got to my second i was actually feeling really good and when i unracked it felt great um i took a step back and the weight just kept going so i just kept going back so i ended up taking like five or six steps back and i'm like fuck stop falling back so i leant forward a little bit and instead of stopping i started falling forward so like i I, yeah, I really got thrown around <laughs> on the on the walkout and just by the time I was standing there and ready to squat, it had been a long time and I was just kind of gassed. Um, so I missed my second squat and then that put me further up in the order for the third round. And it was also a short flight. It was nine lifters. So we had the nine lifters and then the five-minute break. Uh, so it was a really short turnaround between second and third and I was just completely cooked by that point. Cool. So I missed the third. Um, bench actually felt really 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 good um all through the warm-ups my last warm-up i could feel the feeling i get when i know my pecs gonna tear and i kind of ignored it felt it on the opener as well but it was okay and then on the on the third i felt it in a big way and i'm like this could be kind of 
kind of nasty um and so on the way down it started to tear so i just kind of dropped the bar um so i mean like having that foresight of it might go it might not and being ready to do what i had to do if it did go to prevent it from being really bad yeah, to bail. so the, the tear's not actually all that bad it's it's probably like a six week four to yeah. six week rehab kind of job right now it's like double the size of the other one it's super swollen uh, but it's not too painful so yeah yeah well i mean that's in the scheme of things probably the best case scenario right is to come out of that having obviously done it which is never nice but to have done it in a way that's not gonna completely derail everything for a long time is probably a useful thing yeah yeah yeah. but again i think you've uh, you're only in a position to have that foresight because you've been there before right Mm. it's hard to um to talk about having that foresight because you can't really teach it you can't you know prepare someone mentally for what that feeling is going to feel like until you've actually felt it yeah yeah i mean that's it's easy to carry an aura of uh, stoicism around it when you've got that attitude of like when this happens the quickest way you can return to where you want to be is to completely forget the fact that it's happened in terms of stew on it and worry about it and go straight into the next phase which is like what do i need to start doing to make this thing better which is start the rehab protocol create an environment for for healing which means changing stuff with diet making sure you're getting good sleep um it's just you start doing everything you can do to get on top of this thing um because that's that's all you can do like sitting there and stewing on it and being like oh i'm injured oh i had a bad day i mean that doesn't serve you in any way shape or form um the other thing that that comes with experience is just knowing yeah okay this is a very 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 uh, small blip in time that i'm going to be sore and rehabbing before i'm just back to where i was like in the grand scheme of things it, it goes super quickly yeah it just flies yeah i think this is a discussion that we've had a Mm. lot uh and we'll continue to have a lot because it's a discussion that's worth having regularly but it continues every time we have it all i can think about is having this discussion with the lots of people that i have had a, a very similar discussion with around injuries and things like that and having to continually explain that this injury setback isn't the end of the world this isn't the defining thing that's going to completely derail your training and you'll never be back to where you were. I mean, like in some cases it might be if you let it, but in most cases, especially when it comes to powerlifting related injuries, pretty much all of them you can come back from and be at least as strong as you were before. Like I I don't think I've seen that many super catastrophic injuries directly caused by powerlifting that people haven't come back from or couldn't come back from you know like they've chosen not to come back in most cases Mm -hmm. but uh in a lot of those cases they could come back it's just about the time frame that they're willing to commit to it yeah yeah exactly exactly um i mean nathan jones is a great example of that right you know if if we're talking if we're talking catastrophic injuries they don't they don't get much bigger than that if you don't know who we're talking about i think episode two or three of this podcast was our interview with nathan about his his knee exploding um yeah he he hasn't come back and competed in wraps has he he's always done it in sleeves now no he hasn't competed in wraps um i don't think i'll ever wrap his knees again though (laughs) Uh, i think i think i'm willing to let him shoulder that burden himself or perhaps someone else could shoulder that burden for him i'm not sure i'm willing to um go to my grave knowing i wrapped nathan's knees so tight they exploded <laughs> twice uh it's so annoying because you know that's 
not the reason why, but there's still still yeah, this no. tiny inkling of like, yeah, but was it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Like it, it, and it'll never go away. That question, like, I know the very logical, thought out, reasonable side of me knows that that probably wasn't the contributing factor. But there's still just that little bit of me that's like, ah, oh, maybe you went a little bit hard. Maybe those strangulators were just like half a revolution too mm. tight. Maybe, you know, a little bit higher, a little bit lower. Or, yeah. There's always the maybes, right? There's always things you could have done or could have done differently. Um, but, you know, you can't mm. anymore. Move yes. On. Yes. All right. Well, we're approaching the end of the year 2021 or uh tw- two thousand we're approaching the end of the year <laughs> we're approaching the end of the year um, uh, that was so and smooth. we we wouldn't be two um males white males on a podcast if we didn't do some sort of year in review so i don't even know what a year in review <laughs> episode looks like so we've never bothered to do something this cheesy uh no, we came pretty close with our reflections on 10 years in business one a couple of weeks ago. But, um, you know, let's see if we can beat the cheese factor. Hmm. What's been what's been the biggest area of growth for you, either personally or business or coaching? And just pick one um, that's happened this year. Man, I think I'm like, about 20 kilos lighter than I was this time last year or you know it's probably closer to 15 I don't really know but uh that and the flow-on effects of just being generally happier and healthier have been the biggest area for me um being able to find something in lockdown last year that uh kept me a little bit sane and gave me focus and something to work on that wasn't work or being locked in the same house as my family for eternity um was yeah a real shining light and then to have been able to push it really hard this year to the extent that i have has been really cool it's been a the first time i've been excited about pushing performance in an area that wasn't work for a while um i think i've probably been coasting for a little bit in a in a lot of that so um yeah being able to do all of that's been really cool i mean i went for a run on tuesday that was yesterday yeah, that was a weird experience how are your calves um, i went to bed on yeah fucked genuinely ruined um i yeah i went to bed on monday night because i've been thinking about it for a little while like oh, i'm probably gonna have to like now that i'm fit i'm probably gonna have to see how this running thing goes and i went to bed on monday night i was like maybe i'll just go for a run on tuesday instead of normally tuesday morning i is my like bike riding mm-hmm. morning um and yeah i got up and actually went for a run and uh i got about a kilometer and a half or two kilometers in and was like well you've done two k's you should probably just do five because like you know two is basically half of five so you're almost there so you may as well and i did and for the first time in my entire life uh my heart and lungs weren't the thing preventing me from doing any more it was the fact that my calves and quads were completely fucking Mm. ruined and um i've been unable to walk since but yeah it turns out i can run 5k's which is like crazy right i've in the last four days i've pulled the heaviest deadlift i've done in five years i've run further than i've run in one hit and probably combined (laughs) in 10 years um so yeah to have rediscovered performance physically in areas that i traditionally had not been very good at 
has been the biggest growth point for me. And then that's had some really dramatic carry-on effects to just my overall health and well-being, I think. Um, mm. I'm, I'm happier and healthier than I have been in a long time and that has flow-on effects to how well I can work and those sort of things as well, which is, yeah, really cool and exciting given it's been a pretty fucking crazy couple of years. Mm. But what about you? Yeah, man. I mean, like much in much in the same way as you, the the biggest growth I've experienced this year is just personal stuff. It's just like learning more about myself, learning more about um, what's important to me, uh, learning more about how I interact with the world, how I interact with people and I guess the flow and effects of that through every other area in my life, you know, friendships, relationships, um, business, everything uh, has improved with continual uh, work on self. Um, and a big part of that has come from returning to seeing a therapist, um, you know, rec- recognizing a need to, um, to, to seek some professional help and um, leaning into that pro- process, which is really quite difficult uh for myself and for many others it's, it's quite difficult to actually commit to the process to lean into it uh to give it the time and the energy to um, get something out of it like it's so easy to be like oh yeah i go to a psych it's like yeah going and listening to a psych is very different to um learning and then applying um and that that learning and application process has been uh, tremendously valuable in uh, so many areas of life and so for, for me that's probably been the biggest uh the biggest thing yeah yeah man it's it's fascinating to have spent so long like in the depths of running a business building a business doing all those sort of things and to then look back at you know a year and be like oh actually the reason my business is doing better now than it was a year ago is not because i I did all these fancy business things, but it's actually that you worked on you first and foremost, and that prioritizing you is the thing that's been able to facilitate the rest Mm. of that growth. You know, like I know I work, I'm a better coach and I am a better person to be around when I have something that I'm excited to work really hard on that isn't Mm -hmm. work. And I think for me, the year has been about finding those things and being able to prioritize them really effectively. And actually that's, I think over the last two years where lockdown's actually been really good for me in some ways like i think it's that break from the routine of every morning every night at the gym consistently has actually given me the space i needed to find that again and be able to then reprioritize what my average week looks like in a way that facilitates both getting the work that i need to done but also having enough time that is my time to be able to do those things as well Mm yeah i mean like i I think that's a i think that's a really important point because for me personally you know i I really struggle with the idea of doing something for me because i hate the idea of being selfish like i i and i mean that sounds ridiculous saying out loud because it's not inherently selfish um but being able to put put this work into self um see a little bit more value in self has allowed me to be who i want to be which is more selfless uh, which allows me to give myself more freely to uh, to clients, to staff, to just just be the kind of leader and the kind of person that I want to be. Um, it's it's really interesting to you know look back and be like, okay, well, um, 
I don't care about myself and therefore I'm not going to put any work into myself uh, because that's selfish, which is ridiculous. And then see the effects that that has uh, as it flows out and then question, you know, why can't I be who I want to be? It's inherently tied back to the fact that I wasn't doing the work on myself. Yeah, man, it's it's that thing that I, I've spoken to a lot of people about, like growing up and, and maturing and realizing that like every year I think I get happier because I am more me than I was the year mm-hmm. before. You know, like I have developed the confidence and ability in myself to be happy with who I am, the things that I want and the things that I enjoy and all of that sort of stuff that comes with being who I am. And it's that having that space by being able to pursue things that I enjoy that then yeah helps me actually be a person that people want to be around and and be led by and, and do all those sort of things. It's um yeah yeah it's it's the thing that you know it sounds really cliched and fucking sappy to talk yeah. about um because it's I think there's a a big segment of especially the the fitness industry and not necessarily the immediate circles that we run in, but the broader circles that our industry is encompassed by that spend a lot of time preaching this message and do it in a way that's really fucking gross, Mm -hmm. like really like sappy and just fucking, yeah, irks me in a way that makes me think you're a charlatan. You know, it's this, oh, it's all self-love and self-care and, you know, sometimes like self-love is telling yourself to stop being a dickhead and do the work that you need to do. And I think there's a lot of that aspect that gets ignored or either intentionally or otherwise by the hippy dippy bullshit that comes out of the fitness and wellness. Yeah, because I mean, there is a blurry line between self-care and selfishness. Uh, and th- there's also yeah. a bitter irony in this, like, um, you know, in, in my own personal situation, a bitter irony in this pursuit of altruism that um you know ultimately if you're doing it if you're putting other people first because it makes you feel good just satisfying your own ego rather than and and, you know you do it under the guise of i'm doing it because i want to help people and i mean ultimately we get into the service-based industry because that's what we want to do um and we're so much better equipped and better off at helping people um if we are completely secure in ourselves if we have value in ourselves Mm. if we um uh, if we do really learn to understand what looking out after ourselves looks like and exactly what you said the issue with this like sappy you know three-liner this is self-care uh, um, sort of rhetoric that people tend to live by is that it's not it's a really 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 shallow view of what self-care truly is Man, for me, self-care is being in bed before 9.30 and getting my ass out of bed by five and in the gym training or doing something like that. Like, it's not bubble baths and, you know, tea and biscuits while I watch Netflix. It's actually having the discipline and routine to get the shit done that I know isn't easy. It's hard work. Like, training is hard. I want it to be hard. I want it to be a challenge because I know if I don't, then everything else in my life becomes harder by default. It's almost like having that, yardstick for measuring what is really fucking hard if you don't have that for me at least if i don't have that in form the form of like uh actively choosing to do hard things in my recreation time then everything else seems harder Mm -hmm. um so yeah for me that that idea of self-care is actually mostly built around actively choosing to do hard stuff because if i don't then everything else feels way harder and life is Mm. much harder Mm. 
Um, unless you want to say anything else on that topic, uh, one thing I'd really like to see change in uh, 2020, 2022 is, uh, is the industry's obsession with putting everyone down like the the industry's obsession with um i can't believe we're still doing or people are still with with making with making humor that is sometimes kind of funny but at the expense of other people um in a way that without these people realizing it is probably making people feel really ostracized and really shit about what they do um, and really question what they do and make them feel like they don't belong and make them feel like they're not good enough. Um, like we need to stop the language that is, this is dumb and just return to a language of like, here's some information and here's how it's helped me with my clients. Um, we need to stop the language of if your coach does this, get a new coach and again, return to the language of like, here's some information and here's how it's helped me and my clients. We need to focus on what we are doing and we are doing well and stop pointing out what we perceive others to be doing wrong because there's plenty of people that are going to point out what we're doing and perceive it to be wrong as well because we're all just making this shit up as we go along. And that's the trick, eh? Yeah, like I distinctly remember multiple occasions over the last many years where I've like written a fucking scathing post about some bullshit and then just like sat for even just a fraction of a moment and be like does this actually help anyone get any better or is this me just screaming into the abyss for no good reason other than like I'll feel a little bit vindicated by having posted it and gotten a bunch of likes because it's kind Mm -hmm. of funny and recognizing that that's actually what I'm doing is just screaming into the abyss has given me the opportunity to just like not post most of those mm. things. I'm much more interested in having an ongoing Instagram discussion about where the definition between <laughs> sandwich and burger lies than I am about hanging shit on anyone. And there are plenty of people that like I, I could if I felt the need to hang shit on regularly. But instead, I just don't fucking follow those people. I pretend they don't exist in my world and I focus on building a world that is as positive and helpful as can be. And sometimes that's shouting into the abyss about the refereeing in a rugby match. But beyond that, when it comes to like the actual industry that I work in, I'd rather just it be positive. There's so much negative bullshit out there anyway. Mm-hmm. Why do we have to keep adding mm-hmm. to it? And the number of people I've seen in the coaching space who've like spent ages hanging shit on everyone around them. And then occasionally we'll be, we'll be like, oh, we shouldn't hang shit on people. Everything should be positive and love. And then like six weeks later, they go back to hanging mm-hmm. shit on people because they don't actually have the ability to do anything other than hang mm-hmm. shit on people. I just have no fucking time for that. I'm too old for that shit. I've got better things to do with my life. 22-year-old John would have been <laughs> all about it. 33-year-old John just doesn't give a yeah. shit. I've got better things to do with my the, life. The thing with that kind of extremism as well is that it's just, it's just a direct gateway into hypocrisy. Like, the, yeah. the people that are making these extreme statements and pulling other people down are, are often just complete hypocrites that do very similar things or have done very similar things in the past. Um, if you're going to use humor to, to, you know, make fun of someone, make fun of yourself you know make fun of the stuff yeah, make fun both. of the stuff that you did that was dumb 
uh, make fun of the yeah. show, showcase the way that you've learned and you've grown and, and you know why you're able to do better now than you were able to do five years ago rather than um, you know trolling through Instagram and finding examples of people you don't like it's just such a it, it literally doesn't help anyone besides maybe your own ego for 30 seconds and even then it doesn't you know because it's like it's a drug that that ego hit you get from feeling like you're better than someone because you wrote a snarky instagram post that's like subtly but not so subtly directed at them in a way that means someone's probably going to send it to them and you're like trying to start this sort of back channel bullshit man i stopped being in high school in 2006 (laughs) i have no desire to be involved in high school level bullshit like that Mm. anymore because I just don't care that much about people. Chances are, if you're making a snarky Instagram post about me, I'd probably don't follow you anyway. And I, that means I probably don't have any value in your opinion. So I just mm. don't care about it. So you can go ahead and shout into the abyss about how much you dislike whatever it is you disagree with me on. And that's cool. But I'm just going to go about continuing to do what I do and pretending you don't mm. exist. Earlier this year, I, I um, tried and uh semi-successfully implemented a no scroll rule on instagram like when i open the app i try my very best not to not to scroll through um it's hard yeah it's very hard Um, and you know sometimes i'm successful most of the time i'm not that successful and i'll catch myself after a few minutes and be like what are you doing you're not supposed to do this Um, but when i when i started doing that and inevitably even if i do still scroll i spend a lot time less time seeing stuff when these memes and references to other coaches or other systems or whatever come up, I increasingly don't know what they're talking about. And it's really refreshing uh, because it's like, well, I don't get this and therefore I don't care. And what it sort of screams to me is that the, the people that uh, are making these things and know what everyone is talking about are probably just spending way too much time not getting better or they do because they're just, you know, they're- Well, you're not producing anything, right? You're just consuming uh, exactly. other people other people's stuff because you hate them like i i was a big fan of a hate follow for a little while like i hate you so much that i'm gonna follow you so i can laugh at it's a train wreck right it's it's watching a car crash yeah it it's but it's so bad like i i almost i don't think i've got anyone on my feed at the moment that i follow Mm because i hate them because i just realized at one point that it just wasn't doing me any good to continually like get this emotional like oh that's right i fucking hate that guy Eh, maybe just like unfollow Mm -hmm. him because then every now and again someone does send me a post i'm like oh my god i forgot that person existed (laughs) how much better was my life for the six months where i forgot that that person was a thing in Mm. the world and now you've reminded me and hopefully i can forget (laughs) for another six months yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's so refreshing to uh be acutely aware of how quickly things disappear when you don't pay attention to them or whether they're not in your face because you don't follow them or you don't see them on instagram and and like this is the thing like controversy that pops up like we're talking year in review think of the whole wilkes thing like that was a huge deal for three days yeah i haven't heard anyone talk about it besides maybe a snarky comment here or there and very rarely at at that for since that time period like everyone just forgot about it straight away that's crazy how quickly the news cycle cycles through you know even like on a bigger scale when like when they de-platformed donald trump I just for like six months forgot Donald Trump was the president for a while <laughs> and then was like, oh yeah, that's right. That was a thing that existed for a little while. How fucking crazy mm. was that? It's, um, yeah, it's fascinating how much more enjoyable the world is when you don't spend your entire life deep in, knee deep in fucking internet controversy. Mm. 
Yeah. Because in the end, let's be honest, no one really gives a fuck. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's finish this on a positive note. What's been your favorite thing of the year 2021? My favorite thing. One favorite is hard because mm. I've had a lot of like, like amongst a year that could easily, I like I did a very deliberate thing at the end of last year. Like posted, it was like 10 photos on Instagram. I was like, the, you know, a year I'll never forget, but made a really <laughs> deliberate decision that none of those 10 photos would reference anything that had happened in 2020, like the lockdown and all yeah. of that shit. And it was actually an incredibly refreshing thing mm. to do, which I intend to do again because it's really easy in this scenario to find a bunch of negatives and be like, oh, it was a really shitty year. Um, I think the favorite thing goes back again to discovering that actually I'm perhaps more capable at suffering through endurance training than I ever thought I was before. I think that's just been a a revelation in opening a bunch of doors that I'd never considered to be open for me again. Um, So, righto, buddy, we get it. You want to be involved. Um, He really wants your attention. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that's, that's definitely going to be the highlight for me is it feels like a shift in my identity, which is weird because I feel like I haven't identified as a power lifter for a very long mm-hmm. time, but it's still something I'm like a bit weird about. I feel like it's still a bit odd that I'm into trying endurance stuff now. So yeah, that's definitely the highlight I think for mm-hmm. me. What about you? I've, I've for the first time in, in owning the the gym and, and being a powerlifting coach experienced a shift in my role. Like uh, my, my identity has been so heavily tied up in, I am a powerlifting coach for so long. Um, and this year, uh, and especially moving into yes, next year, I've really moved quite far away from being a powerlifting coach. Um, yeah. It's a fucking cool transition to watch. And uh, it's really, um, I don't even know the word for it. it, it it's really quite uh, heartwarming to have. I feel like I'm the leader of the leaders of zero. Like I, I look at the gym here and James has really stepped up as like the man. Like he's the boss at ground zero and Daniel's the boss. Rochelle's yeah. the boss. Lucy's the boss. Bridget's the boss. They're, the Khan and, you know, Becker and the Ilgets up and Mackay, they're, they're like the faces of zero. And I just kind of feel like I'm sitting in the background and, and you know, it's, it's just weird, but it's uh, so refreshing because I walk downstairs and I see this community of people that in the past was like my community. And now I just feel like I'm a part of that community and it's like James's community and Bridget's yeah. community. Like it's, I don't know. You know, it's going to be really crazy is in like, you know, probably a year and a half, two years, you're going to walk into one of these gyms and someone in there is not going to. Oh, it's already happening and it's wild. People will come up and be like, oh, hey, I'm, you know, I'm Jim. What's your name? Like, do you know who I am? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, um, it's weird. Like I've, I've had that a couple of times where I've like seen a burly shirt in the wild and been like, I don't know who Mm. that person is. Like I probably sold them that shirt, but I don't know who they are. And it's weird to see them in my shirt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, that's that's really cool, man. It's been a real pleasure to sit by the sidelines and watch the growth that's happened in the zero world over the last couple of years. It's, um, yeah, I think it gives a lot of us something to aim towards, which is really Thank cool. You. Not that I have any fucking desire to own as many gyms as you do, you crazy no, it's a terrible idea. 
Yeah, this is the worst <laughs> idea ever. <laughs> I'm good with one, thanks. All right. Well, that's it. Goodbye. Goodbye. Will this be the last episode for the year? Who, Who knows? fucking knows? We're not that Maybe. professional. Find out next week. <laughs> or don't. Goodbye. Oh.